Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am back with Israel Wayne today. We are talking about parenting and this is part of our Meet the Cast lineup as we are leading up to the release of Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution. If you're just now listening to this podcast for the first time and you're like, what in the world is she talking about? Uh, Schoolhouse Rocked, the podcast is our weekly podcast, but we also have Uh, produced a movie. It's called Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution. It will be out sometime probably in November. We're looking at a, um, excuse me, at a a release the first week of November. So make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter and we will have more details on that coming up. But God is doing big things. We are super excited to continue sharing those with you guys. So Schoolhouse Rocked is the movie. Israel is one of our really important cast members in the movie. And so we, leading up to that, we're going to be talking to as many of those people as we can so you can get to know them before you go and see this movie. Um, So Israel, thank you for being back with me today. I'm so grateful for you and your ministry. Oh, absolutely. Um, So at the end of our uh, talk on Monday, we were talking about some of the common mistakes that Christian parents make. And you're talking about, instead of just trying to correct their mistakes, we're talking about leading them to Jesus and to the gospel. And the question that I left you with was, one of the things that I really try with my girls is I, I want to use the word of God to show them truth. But I also don't want it to come across as, and let let me just say, we study God's word as a family. We do our family devotions. We incorporate it into our school day and throughout the day. And you talked about this a little bit uh, throughout the day, just as, as we live, as we do life together, we talk about God's word. We are always looking for opportunities to bring Jesus into it and to lead their hearts towards Christ and towards the cross. But I oftentimes, when we're in the heat of battle, when there's a discipline problem, I really, I just want to open up my Bible and say, and we, we have the child training Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, mm. um, oh, oh, well, well, we'll have to talk about that. And we've actually done a whole podcast. I'll link to that one because that's a fantastic podcast. But, mm. um, but we use the Bible sometimes and, and I'll just say, you know, this is what God's word says, but I don't want it ever to come across as I'm using God's word as discipline. And so, because because I don't want them ever to resent the Bible and God's truth, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that with your kids when they need scripture to correct them, mm-hmm. but you don't want to make them bitter towards it? Right. Well, I think, you know, with any kind of training, you have this positive and negative reinforcement. And, you know, you could have a child who has a negative association with with something that most people would consider a good thing 
um, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, may, maybe you have a child who has a dairy allergy and every time as a child they went and got ice cream, they got really sick and didn't understand why, you know. And so the thought of going and getting ice cream, you know, is repulsive to them as an adult because they had a bad experience with it, you know. Sure. I don't know, just something like that. But, but so the same thing I think would be true of the scripture. I know there are people who are raised uh, in a home where the scripture is kind of used as a, a virtual uh, metaphorical club that sure. they get be- beaten with. Um, I, I think the, the important thing, and you mentioned this, is that you use the scripture throughout life. Uh, you have times where you share the scripture where it's not a negative connotation. It's not a discipline moment. Um, you do it in times that are... Uh, that are teaching and instructive. You do it in times that are joyful. Um, you, you bring the scripture into all of life. I don't think that children resent the scripture being used when it's not merely used um, in a disciplinary function. Um, I mean, for example, I had a, a situation yesterday with one of my children and they had watched a movie the night before. And it just occurred to me that they were feeling kind of defensive and self-protective and and having a bit of a a grudge and and some things like that in in their heart, you know, some resentment issues in their heart. And and I pointed to a character in the movie that was portrayed negatively and said, that's like the movie that we watched last night with this character. And the movie did a great job of presenting how that, that, you know, internal struggle in that person, the feeling like they had been wronged and they were misunderstood and whatever, you know, how they they went to a a pretty dark place with it and, and ended up you know, doing destructive things, especially themselves. And so I was able to use that as a teaching moment to Mm -hmm. point back to something that they'd had a previous experience with. And they didn't resent me using the movie illustration to say, you know, hey, do you you see what's go how what's going on inside of you is is kind of similar to what was happening with this character in the movie. You know, they don't want to admit it in the moment, but I think they would say, yeah, there were some similarities that there. If I if I would ask them that a couple of days later, you know, I think they would see that. Well, in the same way, the scripture can be like that, where we can reference back to something that we've taught them in a positive moment, taught them uh, in our Bible time and so forth, and say, do you remember how when we studied this in scripture, how the scripture says this? Well, so, so I think it's appropriate to use the scripture mm-hmm. in those moments because the Bible does tell us itself that it is powerful and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can, it can really get to the, you know, divide the bone and marrow. I mean, it can get the heart of the matter. So I don't feel like we have to say, you know, scriptures off limits when we're correcting or disciplining our children, but there has to be positive association with it. And I think those people who grow up in in homes where the Bible comes out in those moments of anger mm-hmm. and it's used as, a, you know, a lever to to kind of force the the compliance of the child and and the child knows it's basically a tool of manipulation. Yeah. And there's going to be resentment with it. So I think that's the key is, is when it's just something that's an, a part of your life that saturates all of your life, permeates every aspect of, of who you are as a person. I don't think your children resent it, at least in my family. I've never noticed that with my children. I don't think in any way my children would resent me using scripture in a disciplined moment mm-hmm. because they know it's you know, it's really my first language. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I talk with an accent that's biblical. Right. And, you know, it's just because I'm, I'm saturating myself in that. And that's so right. I, I don't think that there's resentment. But if it only came out 
when I'm mad or when I'm disciplining them, then yeah, rightfully so. I think they would, they'd have a negative association with it. Right, right. That's an excellent answer. Um, I want to take this a little bit further. Um, and, and this is kind of going a little bit off topic of, of what we're talking about on the podcast, but for kids who maybe as they are, as we're doing family Bible time, um, and mm-hmm. I'm not talking about we, my family, I'm just talking about in general as Christians, yeah. as we do our family Bible time, um, sometimes I know that there are kids who like, they really just don't want to. They yeah. just really don't want to be part of that. They think it's sure. boring. Sure. They think it's, you know, maybe it's hard to understand. Sure. And I'm assuming with 11 kids, you've maybe experienced that with a couple of your kids at one point or another. Sure. How would you suggest a parent handle something like that when their kids are just like, oh, we got to do Bible time again. It's so boring. Or, you know, yep. um, maybe they just have some kind of negative reaction to that. Yeah. Well, first of all, we have always done Bible time with our children from infancy. Yeah. So a little different than if your children are 11 and 9 and you start or are 15 and 13 and sure. you start. Um, Which so, is a good starting point, too, if you've not done it. You have to, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, if, if the Lord convicts you that, hey, this is something we need to do as a family, you start where you are, That's but right. just realize you're going to get more pushback. Sure. And, and I think that, boy, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I think one is... <laughs> that we've so acclimated our children to living in a pop culture Marvel universe Mm -hmm. where it's kind of hard to compete with that. And so the I'm bored thing comes out because we didn't just spend a hundred million dollars on Bible time, you know, (laughs) and that's what their appetite has been culture cultivated toward is just that kind of really high end entertainment. And man, it's hard for us to compete with that, you know, with a simple, book or a story or a Bible lesson or a teaching video. Yeah. So, so I think one thing is, you know, you have to learn how to dial back a little bit, just their exposure to pop culture and uh, that high end media, because when they're saturated in that, it's really hard for them to find anything less than that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I would say, but, but I think uh, as a bottom line, what I tell my children is this is what we're doing as a family. You're part of this family. And so, you know, you're going to join in with us. And, you know, it, your attitude during this time is something that's within your control. Mm-hmm. You can choose to be resentful. You can choose to uh, not enjoy this process. Or you can say, hey, this is what we're doing for the next 30 minutes and, and work with it. And it'll be more enjoyable for you if you work with it. But this is what we're doing. Right. So I never allow my children to kind of emotionally manipulate the situation sure. and say, oh, well, I'm not going to do this because my children don't like it. Um, they, they have to learn. Uh, you know, I think there's a, a great benefit in them learning how to sit through boring things. Yeah. And I know a lot of parents, they never create that context where their children get the, the privilege of doing that. Yep. <laughs> and so their children can't sit through boring things. And that becomes really awkward. It's like we can't go to a family funeral because our children can't sit for 30 minutes, right. you know? So, uh, I, I just think that you have to, as the parent, take the lead, be the parent. And, um, your, your child doesn't have to necessarily enjoy every moment of this, sure. but it is something that they are going to participate in. And if they want to make it miserable for themselves, <laughs> that's, that's on their them. voice. That's on you, but you're not going to make it miserable for everybody else here. The other thing is there are ways to make it more interesting. Of course, we have a lot of question and answer and mm-hmm. interaction. There, You can get them to read. You can ask them questions. They can yeah. participate in some way, maybe lead some aspect of it when it's appropriate. You know, you're a parent, so you know that. You know with your children, you know, what's appropriate and what's not, I think. But 
um, I, I try to find ways to involve my children, especially as they get older yeah. and uh, have them participate as well. Yeah, that's important. We do that as well. Garrett always leads our Bible time. And then he asks questions about what we've just read. And and he cracks me up because he always says, sometimes he'll ask a question and the girls are like, oh, I don't know. And he always says, it's an open book test. It's always an open book test. And, you know, he allows them to flip through. We, we read the Bible through mm-hmm. um, from beginning to end. And so, you know, we mm-hmm. we are always going in order. And so he's like, just go back a chapter or maybe three chapters and try to find the answer, you know, and then, and then it's almost like a game of them trying to figure out, you know, what is the answer to this question that dad is asking? Um, but it is important to do that. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts. And we say, this is what you do step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com. We are back with Israel, and thank you for your, your answers about uh, just using God's word. It is such a powerful tool. It is the most powerful tool we have. I am so grateful that the Lord's given us his word so that we can know how to live and so that we can guide our kids' hearts in knowing what righteousness looks like, who God is. I mean, there's there's so much in the Bible that, I, I, I mean, it's, it's our it's our handbook for life. It's our handbook for everything, for marriage, for parenting, for homeschooling, for all of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Every time I read the Bible, I find something new and it's stuff that I've read before. And I'm like, man, and depending on the season in life, Mm -hmm. you know, if I feel like I've never read it before, I've never read, you know, Psalm one before, even though I've read it 500 times and, um, God's word does not return void. It is so powerful. So I want to uh, jump into something else to kind of a different topic. And I want to talk about influence versus control and how we can motivate our kids. And I know that um, there's there's a difference between influencing our kids and controlling our kids. To be quite honest, I am. I, I know I have a great influence on my kids and the way that I live my own life. But I also can tend to have a very controlling personality. I want to control all the things that mm-hmm. happen to them and around them because I, I, I guess it's because I feel like my way is the right way. And sometimes it's hard for me to let go, especially with my 15-year-old. You know, she is at the point where I, I've told her many, many times, you know, I will trust you until you give me reason not to trust you. And she's never given me reason not to trust her. And and, so, and it doesn't mean she doesn't make mistakes, but I, I still, even though she never has, I still sometimes have a really hard time not controlling her and telling her what to do. And she tells me to, mom, stop trying to control me. I'm like, ah, but I really want to. Mm-hmm. So can you talk on that for a little bit and how we can use our influence instead of control um, sure. to, to raise our kids in an effective way. Yeah. I have a, a chapter on that in my book, um, Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians, where I talk about that. And what I've learned as a parent is that when your child is first born and you're holding that little infant in your in your hands, you have 100% control in that child's life. Yeah. Like they can't dress themselves, they can't feed themselves, they can't go anywhere. 
like every single decision you make for them. And uh, that's good and that's natural and that's right. Uh, You take a child who is 21 years old and, you know, it's a completely different scenario and it should be. And so what I've learned is you have to transition from control, which is a, an appropriate method of parenting when they're, when they're little. Mm-hmm. And some people don't like that word because it maybe it has a negative uh, connotation, but, you know, authority, sure. um, you, you really do um, make the decisions yeah. for the child. Um, but then you want to try to transition over time from control to a parenting paradigm of influence. And, and this happens gradually. Um, and I think in those tweener years, especially, that's when you, you shift and you really start trying to wean yourself off of the method of control to the method of influence. Um, what I notice is that a lot of parents make the mistake of trying to train their two-year-olds with influence and then regulate their 15-year-olds with control. Yeah, And that doesn't work well <laughs> at either end of the spectrum. And, and, you know, the, the thing is, um, you know, when you're holding that infant, you really have no influence in the sense of you can tell them your opinion about things and what you believe and what you think they should believe and what you think they should do and all of that. They don't care because they don't understand your language. Right. Like, they don't even know what those words mean. You have 0% influence. But when you have a 21-year-old, the goal is to have 0% control and 100% influence. Mm how that transition happens, it's not necessarily, you know, a flawless continuum. You know, you're going to have some starts and stops with that. And, and maturity levels are different with every child. Yep. You have some children who mature very quickly and others who seem like they take forever. <laughs> uh, and so it's a little different for every child. But uh, what I've learned is that you, that this is how I think of it, that influence is like a commodity that you can buy. You can invest in it. And it's, I think of it like a relationship bank. And so you can put deposits of influence in a bank, realizing that you may have to make withdrawals on it later. And so people say, well, what, how do you make an investment of influence in this relationship bank uh, so that you have something to draw on later? Well, there are two primary forces or factors in influence. And the first one is time that you have to spend quantity time with your children. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's a little overly reductionistic, but I sometimes say that whoever spends the most time with your children wins. Yeah, right. You know, um, again, a little over-exaggerated, but but not far off the mark. Right. And then the second factor in influence that's, I think, almost equally important is affirmation. So Mm -hmm. if you're spending time with your children, but it's a miserable experience, and you hate it, your child hates it, nobody's enjoying it, and you don't like being with your child, and your child doesn't like being with you, then yeah, you have the time component, but you're not actually gaining positive influence. So to gain positive influence, you have to spend more time with your child than anyone else, Mm -hmm. and simultaneously, you must affirm your child and encourage your child more than anyone else in their life wow. because whoever spends the most time with your child and influences and, and encourages and, ins- and inspires them yeah. uh, the most will have the most influence. By definition, that will not be 95% of evangelical Christians. Yeah. Sad. Because they're not with their child. Right. You know, they spend the, the average now, according to the 2020 National Labor Statistics Bureau is 29 minutes a day for dads 
and one hour a day for moms. Wow. That's all the influence they get. And their kids are getting seven and a half hours a day of anti-Christian influence in the schools. Right. They come home and they get another seven and a half hours of digital multimedia. Yep. 15 hours a day of influence that is not the parents and right. that is not godly. It's not Christian. It's actually anti-Christian right. in most cases. And so these parents, you know, are thinking that, well, I get 29 minutes or an hour a day with my child. You put that on the scale, it will never balance. Right. So I know that's why your documentary is so important and so powerful is because your desire is that you want parents to be the most influential force that's in their right. child's life. That's why I write my books. That's why I do what I do. That's why you're doing this film is because we want parents to be able to pass on their beliefs, yep. their values to their own children. But th the problem is, you know, most parents just give away yep. those forces of influence to other people and they just don't value it. They right. don't see what they have. And then when their child's 16, 17 years old, they think, well, why doesn't my child respect me? Why don't they want to listen to me? Why don't they want to be with me? Why don't they, why don't they uh, respect my values? Yeah. Well, you weren't the most influential person in their life. Someone else was. Yeah, that's so powerful. I know you and I have talked about this before. And, you know, when you run the numbers, I mean, it takes no time at all. You figure out seven plus hours a day times 180 days a year for 12 years. And kids spend over 16,000 hours under the care of someone else under the influence of someone else that's not you, their parent. Well, our and, current president's wanting to get them, you know, two I years know, earlier now. I know. I, right? I I heard that the other day and it it's shocking to me because you know these people are celebrating this, saying, you know, oh, we're gonna give them two more years of education. So now we're not gonna get them at the age of four or five. We're gonna get them at yeah, the age of two or three. Yeah. I mean, that is just shocking and disgusting. And, you know, those parents who are standing up and cheering because now they've got free babysitting, that's going to be a sad day when, when their kids are growing up and they don't even know who their kids are because now they have no foundation at all with their kids. You have let someone else completely raise your children for you. So, so now that 16,000 plus hours is going to bump up to what, 18,000 hours or, or more. I don't even know what the math would work out, but too many, too many hours under the influence. Um, and, and because we're talking about influence and control, this is not just influence, but this is influence and control of someone else who does not care about the eternal security and eternal heart of your child like you do. So, Absolutely. And so parents need to buy back the time component. Yep. Homeschoolers do that, but you need to be mindful of the time that you have. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with it? Right. You know, are you investing it well? And is this time something that's enjoyable? And and some people go, well, it's not. So I need to send my child away from me. Well, no, not if you want influence and not right. if you want relationship, but it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be like, well, I'm not enjoying this and my child's not enjoying this. So send your child away from you so that you don't have to see each other. Right. You say, okay, well, and here, I'll just be straight up and honest. Hearts need to change. Yeah. When you don't enjoy your child and your child does not enjoy you, hearts need to change. Yep. I'll, I'll just leave it there. My, my book, uh, You're Raising Them Up, talks more about that. It really is about the heart of the parent first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Malachi talks about that. God turned the hearts of parents yeah. first to their, to their children. children. And then the children's hearts reciprocate. 
but God really wants to work on us first. Yeah. Amen. And he will do that if we are willing to surrender and humble ourselves and allow him to do that. He's going to do that for us. He is a good God. So uh, we're out of time. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to answer a few more parenting questions. Israel, thank you so much for your time again today. You guys can find more about Israel, find out more about him at familyrenewal.org. We will put the links in the show notes for that. And thank you again for joining us today. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends and we will see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Bye. Every year, parents just like you are discovering Classical Conversations, a vibrant, supportive Christian homeschooling program that's been equipping parents since 1997 with the resources, tools, guidance, and encouragement they need to homeschool their children with confidence and prepare them for a lifetime of success. Visit our website at classicalconversations.com to find a nearby community and learn more about homeschooling the Classical Conversations way. Classical Conversations, Christian homeschooling simplified.